Hello, welcome to the first podcast from VJ Oncology. We are an independent, open access digital channel that provides cutting edge updates in oncology news and research to healthcare professionals. Today's topic is bladder cancer. Our understanding of bladder cancer is rapidly advancing with an array of exciting, high impact publications over the past few years. Numerous clinical trials are currently underway to refine existing therapies and develop new drugs with the potential to revolutionize bladder cancer therapy. Our first speaker is Thomas Powells of Bart's Cancer Institute. Speaking from the 2018 Genitourinary Cancer Symposium, Dr. Powells outlines how immune checkpoint inhibitors are transforming the treatment of bladder cancer and highlights some of the challenges being faced by clinical trials attempting to improve the efficacy of these drugs. Immune checkpoint inhibitors have already superseded chemotherapy in the platinum refractory best setting. They are also now being used in the frontline setting in individuals who are not eligible for cisplatin-based therapy. Um, and so there's been a huge landscape change in that respect. Um, and I suspect this change will continue. Uh, we have four or five frontline trials um, looking to completely replace chemotherapy, either with chemotherapy and immune combinations or immune-immune combinations. One of the challenges is based around, number one, can we select patients better? Remember, as it currently stands, only about 20% of patients are going into long-term durable remissions. We can select patients better with a biomarker. We don't currently have good biomarkers. The second question we need to answer is around combinations. Can we increase the efficacy by using immune combinations, chemotherapy combinations, or targeted combinations, and all three of those are being tested. And the last place, last question is whether or not we can ask a different question, bring the drugs earlier into the perioperative space, looking at adjuvant and neoadjuvant stu type studies to try and improve cure rates. So it's a huge amount of work going on in this field, particularly bringing the drugs earlier, improving the biomarkers, and using combinations. Our next talk is from Andrea Apollo of the National Cancer Institute, also speaking from the GU Cancer Symposium 2018. Dr. Apollo tells us about two clinical trials that have been investigating the effects of atezolizumab and pembrolizumab, two promising checkpoint inhibitors. One of the higher impacts um, from the developments in urethral carcinoma are the results of these clinical trials showing how active they are in patients that are otherwise refractory to other therapies. Um, we did hear an update, a two-year update from uh, the pembrolizumab Keynote 045 study yesterday showing persistent uh, survival benefit for patients receiving pembrolizumab. We did also hear uh, an update on the uh, atezolizumab and bigger 11 trial in terms of uh, what biomarkers could potentially be used um, to uh, select patients uh, for um, uh, better response and uh, tumor mutational burden seems to be important. But we do need to um, learn a little bit more about the methodology and um, what constitute a positive results for tumor mutational burden. So I think these are all biomarkers that are in development, but I think once we have um, a good predictive biomarker, I think that'll really help us in future developments of these clinical trials. To explore the Keynote 45 trial in more detail, we spoke to Rob Jones of the University of Glasgow and Beats and West of Scotland Cancer Centre. Professor Jones, speaking from the GU Cancer Symposium 2018, outlines the aims behind the trial and discusses the results in detail, before concluding what changes he hopes will come about as a result of this trial. 
We've just heard an update on the Keynote 45 trial. So uh, Keynote 45 was the uh, randomised phase three trial comparing pembrolizumab with essentially a dealer's choice of chemotherapy in patients with advanced urothelial cancer who'd previously received platinum-based chemotherapy. So it's essentially a second-line trial in urothelial cancer, bladder cancer. Um, and uh, the trial was designed to compare uh, pembrolizumab with a choice of either vinflunine, docetaxel or paclitaxel chemotherapy. Um, it had co-primary endpoints, um, but we've had the update on the outcome data from this trial with 27.7 months follow-up now. Um, the trial was actually published a year ago, so we've got considerably more follow-up now. Um, and uh, the trial's still positive. Um, the, I guess the the, the, the thing that's exciting about immunotherapy in general terms is that it appears in other diseases where we've been using these drugs for longer, like uh, melanoma being the classic example, uh, that there's a subgroup of patients who get profound benefit. So in melanoma, where we've been using ipilimumab now um, for in excess of 10 years, we've actually got 10-year follow-up. Um, and there's probably about 20% of patients who are still alive 10 years later. Um, and of course, we never really see that with cytotoxics. Um, now, it's too early to, to, to see that kind of effect in any of the bladder cancer studies. Um, but Keynote 45 does now show at least a persistent separation of the survival curve. So at two year, the two-year point now, um, we have 27% of patients on pembrolizumab are alive compared with 14% on the chemotherapy arm. So there's a significant separation of the curves there. And it certainly looks like that's at least in keeping with that, that separation continuing. So it may be that we are genuinely going to see now a subgroup of patients who, though not cured, actually are going to become long-term survivors after second-line treatment. At the moment, this trial is the only positive randomised phase 3 trial of a checkpoint inhibitor in urothelial cancer. So it, there are plenty of other data out there, and indeed there are other products that have marketing authorizations in other indications, but I think this clearly sets, to my mind, pembrolizumab as the, the defined, I, I would say it's now the defined standard of care in patients who've had previous platinum-based chemotherapy for advanced disease. Drugs, however, aren't the only effective treatment for bladder cancer. Going back to Dr. Powell's, this time speaking from ASCO 2018, he refers to cystectomy and how this method of treatment is often used if patients are unable to tolerate chemotherapy. Dr. Powells highlights the Abacus study, which is investigating neoadjuvant atezolizumab prior to this procedure to improve outcomes. So Abacus is a trial, it's an investigator-initiated trial. It's a trial in urothelial bladder cancer. Uh, it's a study looking at patients with potentially operable disease. Cystectomy, having your bladder removed, is the standard of care for patients with T2 to T4A, M0, M0 disease. It's a big group of patients. Essentially having your bladder removed, obviously a huge operation. The standard of care is to give new adjuvant chemotherapy first, but about half the patients can't tolerate that chemotherapy, so they just have the cystectomy. Abacus is a study investigating that population of patients that have just the cystectomy because they're not eligible for platinum-based therapy. And essentially what we've done is across four countries, we've enrolled 74 patients and we've looked at two cycles of atezolizumab prior to the cystectomy. Atezolizumab is a pdl one inhibitor, 
Uh, it's a drug which has a license in bladder cancer and is associated with long-term durable remission in subsets of patients. And the question we're asking is whether two cycles of atezolizumab can result in a pathological complete response. Also, there's an issue with getting tissue at baseline and the cystectomy gets tissue so we have sequential tissue. And the second question we're asking is whether or not we can show changes in immune parameters associated with the drug. So two key questions, can two cycles of atezolizumab induce complete response and can it result in a change in biomarker expression? And the study read out and it showed giving two cycles of atezolizumab is safe and easy to give, the toxicity profile is as you would expect. But the complete response rate was 29%, which was higher than we were expecting. We were expecting somewhere in the region of about 20%. Interestingly, the biomarker, pd one biomarker, enriched for response. So the response rate in the biomarker positive population was 40%. In the biomarker negative population, it was 16%. So the biomarker seems to be important. It's quite a big deal for patients because having a pathological risk, complete response um, suggests good activity of a relatively short period of drug in the neoadjuvant space. To underpin the results, we showed dynamic changes to the biomarker. So we can show pdl one expression going up with therapy. We can show CD8 expression going up with therapy. And those tumours that have had a pathological complete response, when you look at the histology, you can see infiltration of immune cells where the tumour was previously. So to summarise the results, you can show that prior to cystectomy, two cycles of atezolizumab is associated with a pathological complete response rate of 29%. That enriches to 40% in the biomarker positive group. Uh, we can show dynamic changes to the biomarkers, it's exciting. There's some work still to do. We need to look for long-term durable remission, so we need to look to see how the relapse rate, to see how effective this period of therapy is, number one. And then number two is ultimately, it will be nice to do randomised trials in the setting, showing patients not just having this pathological complete response, but actually we're curing more patients with this, with this approach, which I suspect we will. We now go back to Dr. Apollo, who explains that although bladder cancer treatment has made some incredible progress, there are still difficulties and challenges that must be overcome. I think for bladder cancer patients, we have these great drugs that, are, that work, that have clinical activity, but a large proportion of patients, actually the majority of the patients, don't respond. Uh, so we need to develop therapies for patients that are non-responders to immunotherapies. How do we make a non-responder a responder? How do we take patients that have responded and make them respond again once they stop responding? I think that's a great unmet need um, and an area for future development for agents, clinical agents that we can use for these patients. To conclude our podcast, we have our final talk from Arlene Saikaradka of the MD Anderson Cancer Center, speaking from ASCO 2018. She eloquently provides her insight into the view that bladder cancer is comprised of multiple tumor types and predicts the future of urothelial carcinoma therapy. If you look at the historical development of treatment for bladder cancer, it's really been chemotherapy for over 30 years. So if you can imagine, when I was in high school, is when MVAC was developed, and MVAC is still used today. And despite thousands of patients enrolled on multiple trials and lots of money spent, we never overcame the clinical activity that was achieved with MVAC. 
there's been new excitement with immune checkpoint inhibition because we are seeing durable responses. However, they only impact a small fraction of patients. And my concern is, if we continue with the strategy of treating bladder cancer all the same, it will be more difficult to make advances. Because I believe bladder cancer is no longer one disease. It's actually composed of multiple different tumors that have different behaviors based on clinical biology and mutation status. We see that with clinical activity with chemotherapy. When we looked at the genes expressed by different tumors, we saw early evidence that the basal subtype, which indicates a tumor that's growing very quickly, may respond best or have the best clinical outcomes with systemic chemotherapy. There's been hints that even with immunotherapy, we see a group of tumors that have low expression of immune markers or appear immunologically cold, they have a luminal one subtype, and they may not respond as well to immunotherapy. And what's exciting about the advances at today's ASCO is we see evidence that FGF receptor alterations are enriched in that luminally, luminal one tumor that appears cold to the immune system. And we now have a therapy that can target this more directly with the potential for improved clinical activity than what we've seen with checkpoint inhibition alone. So with the use of FGFR-targeted agents, we are heading into the field of personalized medicine for our bladder patients, and it will give us a backbone upon which to build and develop better combinations for different groups of patients with urothelial cancer. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on bladder cancer from international experts at meetings like ESMO 2018, you can follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology and visit vjoncology.com.